Once again, here in Greenwood, folks. Bonjour, shalom, what's up, and how you living out there in the world? That's another week here, episode 19 of How You Living, and asking the eternal question, how you living, Chaz? Ah, not bad, stuffing things, things and stuff. Yeah. It's about to be May, right? It, it All is. that I do, nothing else for you, you know. It's the, uh, the, we're coming out of the lamb period of the Lion v. Lamb April story. <laughs> April showers, springing <laughs> Mayflowers, so sweet. Uh, yeah, no, it's good, man. I, uh, I've had a good week, got a couple mics in, so I've been, uh, bringing comedy to the people for free, whether they like it or not. So oh, nice. What I, kind of mics did you get? Yo, I performed at a dive bar here, local to the Seattle area, known as the Blue Moon, um, that one was kind of cool. It was uh, a nice vibe, a little home, kind of home base for me. And then the uh, the second mic I went to is a Capitol Hill area uh, Thai restaurant called Jai Thai, which is I've seen a comedy show there. Yeah, famous for having a comedy uh, theater in the back. And so, yeah, that was uh, that was a fun fun little thing for me to do and uh, get the comedy out there in a more serious way again. And uh, and then today I just kind of wandered the streets, you know. Nice. And kind of just enjoyed this uh, sunny weather, getting a little vitamin D action. Cool, cool. What about you, man? How's the how's the week been treating you? Ah, uh, pretty well, pretty well. Yesterday was four twenty, so you know I celebrated that a little bit by going to trivia, smoking some Double Dream. There you go. That's definitely a way to uh, celebrate the uh, the annual holiday. Uh, and uh, how was the trivia? Did the uh, did the crowd show up again, or were they held back by the nice weather? Uh, no, they showed up. There were um, quite a few. I went to the Unicorn in Capitol Hill in Seattle, and uh, not my team didn't win, but the team of friends that usually come to my Wednesday quiz, they won. Okay. But it was also a uh, quiz for a cause for Planned Parenthood, and quizzes for a cause are basically just fundraising events where we co-opt uh, quiz experience and basically just beg our quizzers to be like, hey, Get some money for a good cause. And then last night they raised $525, but it was a whole initiative going on from um, actually April 19th to April 23rd. So I guess if you, <laughs> if you I don't got, know, if you listen to this in the next two days. Yeah, if you got to <laughs> subscribe, <laughs> right? it comes up in your new recent episodes list. Uh, otherwise, if you're listening to this in the future, just give some money to Planned Parenthood. It's always a good time to do that. Right? I so mean, I think they get like 519 or $538 million from the government right now. Yeah. And because of the whole conflation of the fact that that money is used for abortions, they're like, defund Planned Parenthood. So if that happens, the money's going to have to come from somewhere else then. Yeah, and clearly that's the angle that they're making is that it's going to go to whatever the Republicans' new cause is, so... Yeah, that, it, it's been it's been crazy. And I mean, even Jeff, speaking of 420, even Jeff Sessions oh, yeah. has been on um, multiple uh, congressional hearings and things outlaying marijuana as this like scourge of society and like this ale that we need to 
end for for exposing to anybody whatsoever whether medical or recreational it's just like this devil thing and so to think that he's uh an advisor in this uh administration is pretty ridiculous oh my god Beauregard you know how much I make fun of Beauregard I mean the only thing that is going positively in this administration is that Trump is like the wildest card so it's like unless if we could somehow just start feeding him ideas from the right angle and people it's like somehow he could just like a robot just like switch change over you know like like the one from the new Star Wars he was like a bad guy but he was like a good robot you know, because he used to be one of the bad droids, but he got reprogrammed. Oh, was it one of the Kate, Borg that did that? No, it was in, oh, did I just, I guess maybe it's spoiler alert if people haven't seen the uh, Rogue One, but is that KP or whatever? Oh, that one, that one, that one. Oh, yeah. okay. So, like, we can make Trump our KP, you know, we got to figure out how to reprogram, get these weird assholes away from him, mm-hmm. and just, like, hey, okay, we get it, buddy, you did it, good job, hey, smiles, and then, uh, you know. He, uh, Trump has been, he's radical in a weird way. Like he does go against the grain as far as what even his administration's expecting. Sometimes it's kind of, it's weird. Like giving the, uh, he, he, he really isn't relinquishing control, I guess, of these military projects that he were, he's supposedly getting credit for. These are actually happening on the ground that are there. Well, I mean the airstrike he made, but like the bomb that recently dropped. Oh, that was on Afghanistan. Right. He actually had the, the, the generals on site were the ones that made the call oh yeah he's been giving a lot of um just leniency to the military at the moment and what i was going to say is that he's been doing a lot of flip-flopping on other issues he was saying china isn't messing with the currency nato actually has a purpose he's been doing a lot of just like switching over on what he was telling american people before like i'm gonna do all these things all these things are bad and then it's like whoa whoa hold up he tweeted out to young uh, immigrant Americans who recently this week and saying that they, they don't need, like, don't worry. They need not worry was, like, the thing. Like, Oh, okay. Yeah, which is, like, he is totally backwards to his statement. I mean, it's almost as if someone's finally tapped him on the shoulder and been like, there's been basically a negative migration to this country for the last 30 years, so we're fine. And he's like, Oh, so they can all stay. And the people are like, yeah, everyone who's here can a hundred percent stay. And he's kind of like, well, I guess I don't need to waste all that money, like keeping them out, but I still got to build that wall. Cause because Marianne Mendoza. <laughs> and I told him, yeah. And speaking of Marianne Mendoza, is that one, uh, segment that we have every week? Oh yeah, that's true. I, callbacks yeah that's right i felt like because since we're talking about trump and trump's old issues might as well make it a callback yeah you're right and it's early in the show it's time um yeah what do you what what's the specific callback action you have for this topic oh i guess i can just talk about remember when i played those clips about like this is how trump was uh crafting the story about immigration as a problem with the the dui case yeah yeah that would kill somebody's family members were killed and uh the people that were uh, guilty were technically immigrants to mm-hmm. this country illegally, mm-hmm. and so they use that story backline as the as the backbone of their argument. Pretty much. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, it, yes, that did happen, but it just goes how it, it, he's seeing how he can't exactly just frame every single incident that an immigrant does that is bad based on their illegal status. Right. And uh, the fact that they did that, then I understand because, you know, people use logical fallacies to make their arguments all the time. So it's just that I'm glad that this one is getting pointed out <laughs> and he's being telling told something on the contrary that is actually 
the right way to look at it. Right. And he's actually going, oh, oh, okay. Right. And I mean, there's no bill put in or anything, but clearly we have learned to take some credence to his tweets. So he tweeted this. And so that's kind of, and that's, and it's interesting reading story headlines, whether it is the New York Times or it is whatever paper that are just base, basically articles about tweets, you know. It's like that's where we've gotten so far. And uh, you know what's interesting, though? I, I think whenever I hear tweets, but but tweets heard said in a way that sounds disparaging, like tweets are bad or tweets are, a, I don't know, an underprivileged form of communication, um, I think they're underselling it a little too much because big shit happens on Twitter. And a lot of people, like, they they talk shit on Twitter, and they get in trouble for it. So Twitter, Twitter, like, I don't think Twitter should be held in such low regard just because it's social media, and that's the way people use to deliver their messages. I, I guess I just, yeah. But, I mean. I don't mean you specifically. Oh, I, I was just I saying. Just, no, I'm just saying because when they, when I, like, in that case, I'm just dissect. They're dissecting one tweet. So it's like one tweet becomes an entire article. Oh, so yeah. that's all I'm saying. It just in the use of language, it's just interesting. I mean, clearly part of it is the condensing of ideas into 144 characters. Mm-hmm. So you do get complex word structure because people will put as much meaning into each word as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, there's 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 language going on. I'm just saying it's fu- it is funny. Just kind of, I guess, out as like an idea thought thing of like these articles are, you know, a page and a half long sometimes and they're about a tweet you know, that is 144 characters. So it's just kind of a funny language thing. Indeed. Uh, and then maybe somebody like, maybe someone will make a movie that's like two hours long about one of those articles. Oh my God. That was about a tweet. And then someone else can write a book about that movie. <laughs> and then we can expand what was the inception of 144 characters into a novelization. Oh my God. That joke's called novelization of a tweet. <laughs> And we just wrote it together. Oh gosh! Congratulations, <laughs> folks. Um, but no, yeah, no, and I. It is interesting. Him. I mean, Obama was on Twitter, but Obama was on Twitter basically to kind of like console us and then to like congratulate us on our progress. You know, he was kind of our like the high fiving dad with the orange slices when you got to the sidelines. Yeah, like he's just like, yeah, go get them. Here's some vitamin C, and you're like, thanks, pops. <laughs> you know, and for like, sure. And then like now we're getting tweeted like, you know, look out North Korea, I got your back. Like it's like, uh, yeah, like it's so weird. It, it, it's I think it's because Trump tweeted the way your your whatever person you have in charge of tweeting tweets for different uh restaurants and stuff. So if I'm doing something for Gatorade, you're going to be like, oh, look who's in the Final Four. Look at them drinking that Gatorade. Is I like, oh, spring training's about to happen. I hope they you know hydrate using Gatorade. It's only like five more months away from <laughs> yeah. the, the football season. Look, White House Gatorade. Ki- White House <laughs> kicking ass. Look at us with this big bomb. Hashtag us. I'm awesome. And then like that's <laughs> yeah. what Obama would do. Obama would be like, oh, yeah, we had this really good thing for the Easter thing. Oh, I'm so sad that the shooting happened at Pulse and you have my condolences. But Trump tweets, he doesn't use the uh, the official channel. He uses his own, but he's tweeting like a person who's just spewing his ideas out there. Like he, he tweets like an average person. He's like me going like, you know, I'm really mad that they're out of a strawberry ice cream today at molly moons what the fuck man <laughs> right or there's all like well how come when i'm pressing that thing for the button across the street when it taps it it goes wait 
wait but then when it tells me to go is all like crossing now like why why this shouldn't happen I mean, that's, that's how trump tweets yeah <laughs> yeah it's i mean it's it, it's exciting and it's why he got all that free press coverage during the campaign mm-hmm. is is his personality and his tweeting personalities are these just kind of off the cuff crazy people and anything can happen any moment and that's perfect for live television and somehow it it swayed a lot of Americans. I mean, it opened my eyes. I mean, yeah. at this point, I still I'm still in the faction of people that is like I I know the amount of time it takes for us to remove, so I have to just get behind the positive things. Like I, <laughs> I recently saw the, the the like I don't know if it was TMZ or whoever they like cornered uh, Steve Harvey. No, it was DeSouza and Mero had a clip, so I don't know who the clip was from. But okay. But the they cornered Steve Harvey and they were asking him about if he supported what Trump's been doing the whole time he's there because he was at those meetings, remember, before oh, Trump's yeah. inauguration. And uh, he's like, well, all I can say to that is that Trump has stuck by the things that he promised me. He asked me to work with HUD and to work with inner cities and to develop programs and centers around the country to help impoverished people uh, gain a leg up and he has had meetings with me i've had meetings with hud so in that he's kept his word and uh <coughs> then the person presses again and's like so you're saying you're completely happy with the, what trump's doing and he laughed he said i did not say that he did <laughs> <And> he's like <laughs> and, so, and so he then get, he then basically just repeats that he's been working with ben carson and hud and that's his project with trump and that's all he knows so like that that makes sense to me <laughs> I mean, see, no, it's good. Yeah. I mean, I feel like even though I'm pretty liberal myself, it seems like the liberals are always just like we need to disapprove of everything that Trump does. Constant disapproval, like just constant disapproval. And I get it. Right. I, I want to be but I want to be critical and I want to be correctly critical. And that's the one thing that I do respect about um not the not the populist um, conservatives, but kind of more like the moderate or constitutional conservatives, where when they think about their core values, like small government and things like that, they're critical on if Trump is being is being in service of that. Because the way they separate it, which some people might take issue with, is they know how inflammatory Trump may be on certain things. But they they give that thing a complete pass because they just want to make sure um, that they're because, you know, they think a lot of things we added as liberals are entitlements and they want to basically their main goal is to take money away and or I shouldn't say like take the crutches away. So it empowers people to better themselves. The ultimate I feel like conservatives want the ultimate (sighs) meritocracy. Yeah, and I think in this particular instance, in this clip, if you watch Desus Amaro, it's from this week, um, he, uh, I think Steve Harvey handled himself well, given the fact that he's being um, ambushed to an extent, you know, that's how these interviews go, but he walked the line, and and I know that's a very political thing to say, and that's kind of like what he's doing there, but he stayed on the message that he's been given access to. You know, he's been given access to HUD, and that is actually a real thing. As much as everyone makes jokes about it now because Ben Carson's in charge and, like, how little, quote-unquote, he knows, that guy still has to go to these places. He's meeting with these local representatives, these people that have been elected in some cases, these people that have been chosen um, throughout the country to lead these organizations. He's working with those people. And yeah. And those people we've trusted the whole time. We like those people, you know. They're the people in our community that we recognize that work for these organizations. So... 
it's 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 we have to find the way to kind of understand the the nuance of an administration where a lot of the blanket statements and the big bold moves are going to be offensive to to find kind of small victories in hopeful expansion of of help other places yeah because i feel like definitely if ben carson wants to win over america he just needs to i think he should focus on gentrification because that's what's happening to a lot of low income um let me see low income neighborhoods out there it's just that you know people see cheap uh buildings and rent and they say like we're gonna take it away and we're gonna make it better <laughs> but you're not keeping the demographic of people who are there and they're not looking into even the reason why they were put there and i think like i i know ba- basically trump putting ben carson in in that slot was like look black people i put a black person here i'm like okay yeah to some and, degree and he's a smart black person i mean conjoined twins how can you not like him because he doesn't know how to structure a sentence very well but <laughs> and yeah but at least like when i heard from what uh elizabeth warren said talking to ben carson about hud and that when it came to like the fights of like it can't be resist everything and she heard enough from him that he would do the job well enough that he wouldn't destroy it and that i was like i can take some comfort in that because i respect the way Elizabeth Warren analyzes and, you know, comes to conclusions about things. Right, right. Well, and that's a good thing on on her part that she was able to kind of be the bigger person in that debate and not use partisan politic techniques to just, you know, gamesmanship and say he's terrible and, and mm-hmm. block him and, you know, to say, you know, that there's, there's hope that he's going to do all right. You know, that's what we want. Uh, so uh, moving forward, I hear the... Uh, the men and women up on the hill are are on a bit of a break. That's these, right. These days, so uh, I don't know if we have a specific focus this week. Do you have anything to update the listeners or anything? Not really, but I think we're gonna start truncating everything in this segment into the state of America. Ooh. So basically, like what we talk about, but watch uh, how to fight if there's anything particular that needs our attention at that time or and just overall shenanigans that are going on in the U.S. government as it pertains to 45 and all things in your life, either federal, state or municipal. Yeah, the local. Go local, folks. Start local. Meet your uh, your local neighborhood organization when they meet, whatever. It's mm-hmm. probably going to be at a coffee shop in your neighborhood. Yeah. Because that's the neighborhood they associate. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to another Let's Talk event um, this Sunday at Optimism Brewing. Starts at 2 p.m. Um, it's definitely one where people of color and other marginalized groups um, get the stage to talk about how this new administration and just life in America treats them differently um right and then in other places and i was actually just to like make a weird segue and for a brain dropping i was thinking of earlier today um because someone posted it it was a bloomberg report of uh, (coughs) that the u.s has been moved down to developing nation status and someone was angry and i was like i can actually understand why they would say that because uh, when you basically run a capitalist meritocracy where you feel like we've gotten to the point where everyone is egalitarian mm-hmm. but there are people who are mistreated um because of marginalization and social oppression and economic oppression as well too that gives a weird that that's what allows people 
who started out at a good place in life to actually think that everyone has it like this and for the people who didn't to be like yo but how do i get mine right yeah and i think that's like that's where ultimately i want the conversation to go and it's kind of getting there but usually when it's like the white people versus the minorities it's white people are like it's not a race problem it's a class problem and guess what we don't make enough money because i don't make enough money i'm also oppressed so i don't know what the fuck you talking about and then black people are like yeah but we're talking about social oppression we're not talking about how much money we make we're talking about when we walk into a store someone starts following my ass around because they think i'm gonna steal because i'm black that's different (laughs) and so yeah and it's how like both sides can get on the same page of that which is why i think things like let's talk actually does and then you can start actually having like talking about real solutions to the problems and how to deal with how there seems to be two different americas that people experience yeah yeah no i mean the conversation has to be had somehow we have to get it you know through to each other i mean because we're gonna be in the fight going on forward you mm-hmm. know? and we so. still are the 99 percent people yeah so um it's tough it's tough out here um and yeah in in current like the the state of america as you put it um i guess i'm hopeful that uh some of these local races that are going to be start happening soon um a lot of places municipal places vote in may for city Mm. city elections and whatnot true and so you know there's um i hope that there's people that are actually getting elected to these school boards that we talked about because the following year school is going to be um you know the next session that they're going to be ruling for so they've got to get hired early um as well as superintendents and um different structures of the localized, you know, government that is in your area, whether it's county or city, um, it, it depends, you know, where you're at. And those elections are going to end up leading to uh, small victories that we can use to build a better coalition of leaders that we can later use to build better senators and presidential candidates, you know. Because that's been the narrative about that last election was it was an election of a lack of choice. For sure. As opposed to an election of ideologies it was about a lack of choice and that's how we ended up where we ended up with. And some would even argue that to a degree we would end up here anyway with the Hillary victory because that other side would have felt the, the burden and then we would be hearing their rhetoric as well. So it's, it's definitely a both sides issue um, currently. And, uh, but yeah, those local elections, hopefully some of those will go in our favor and we'll kind of build that coalition that, um, everyone's talked about i just think because the sentiment and these town hall meetings have been you know great and they're not fake and they're not paid um protesters they're real people some of those people are actually going to go out and run against um these unqualified candidates that are in these districts that aren't expecting um any competition they've been incumbents or people just have never considered themselves political but this new environment is politicizing a lot of people you know and we have to make sure that uh we're we're starting at the bottom and building our way to the top (laughs) yeah um also there are some things to think about that because trump chose certain people to be a part of his cabinet and a part of his uh transition team there are going to be some openings on different senatorial or gubernatorial seat or not gubernatorial don't remember disregard that one um but different senate seats and uh congressional seats will be opening and there's a john asosoff 
and he is a part of the Democratic Party. He's 30 years old. He's running out of the 6th District in Georgia. Um, I don't know the specifics about how their elections work totally, but they, he was needed a runoff vote of 50% of the total electorate to vote for him in order to win automatically. But he won... He he got 48% of the vote, so it is going down to him versus another guy. So if you want to have more Democratic support in the Senate, um, and if you know anybody in Georgia that also supports that view, and they're in the 6th District, tell them to vote. Um, I'll probably tell you guys next week in the, in the form of a callback of when that vote will be. But whenever you listen to this during that time from then to when the vote happens, just let them know. Uh, maybe post some videos about him. We talked about him before um, on the podcast where until it sounded like he was emulating Obama in a lot of ways and kind of stealing that same like um, oratorial style of oh, okay. like, delivery and such. Right. So right, where he'd pause and do exactly the Obama. Yeah. yeah. Folks, he's like, I'm gonna leave for you. He's like, <laughs> yeah. he's like, yeah. So, uh, how's it going? And what I would like to talk about today is how I can make your taxes less of a burden on you. And then, so, like, <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> straight man, the Obama cadence. Because yep. I think it's a good cadence. Yeah. Then, then it's like, wait, Obama's been doing Stephen Wright the whole time. <laughs> yeah, I got a postcard from a friend. It was a satellite picture of Earth. Said, <laughs> wish you were here. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. Well, speaking of uh, funny things, um, I was thinking today about game shows. Oh, because we always are talking about comedians, and we even earlier were talking about Steve Harvey. That guy's yeah. a game show fan. He's a game and show fa- host, and yeah. I've actually laughed at his comedy quite a bit. He's good. He's he's good. He's he's in the classic uh, role of the game show host as far as a comedian goes, and mm-hmm. that is Family Feud host. Oh, my God. Because if you go through the role, it's like everybody has been a Family Feud host at some mm-hmm. point. Everybody who's somebody, at least, you know. Um, and so he's in a good spot there. Uh, what what uh, game shows come to mind? What are what are some of your favorites? Ooh, my God. That, there's so many to name. There are so many. And I, I mean, I remember when I would be sick, there, it would, like, that was one of my favorite things in the 90s was there was a lot more daytime game show television. Oh, than yeah. There is today. And so whenever I would stay home sick or something, I would end up watching, like, a lot of game shows. Now, one of the classic ones... Of course, with the skinny microphone and everything. Oh, are you going to say it? Price is right. Yes! <laughs> I mean, first of all, it gets an hour. It's got the right. hour slot. That's key. You're right there, CBS is mm-hmm. giving it a full hour. Come on down. The whole thing is a commercial. It's yes, a, it is. It's a commercial. They have commercials between it still like a regular show, but the whole show is a, a co- ongoing commercial. Um, the contestants are so excited. And theme music, it's got great. <laughs> 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 I might like the prices right yeah. a little too much. Actually. Come on down, and now, <laughs> and of course, a comedian as well. Now in the slot after the uh, not late, but no longer uh, Bob Barker, still still kicking, but not, yeah, not hosting. Um, and now Drew Carey, yeah. And he's doing okay. I mean, I haven't. I definitely have not watched the show as much as when Bob was there. Um, I was definitely more of a Bob guy in his era. And uh, but you know, Drew Drew's funny. 
Drew's got a Seattle connection. He owns part of the Sounders. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah, he's part owner of the Sounders. He's, and uh, all right, but uh, continuing with that, of course, you've got the heavy hitters in prime time. Oh, Jeopardy and yeah. Wheel of Fortune. Yeah, both owned by King King World and classic two hosts that have hosted pretty much the last 30 years right say jack and trebek oh my god <laughs> hitting the one and two and it's in different markets they hit in different positions yes i when i realized that i was like what yeah if you go to portland so in your market where does it hit so in in portland for instance uh you shoot jeopardy at seven and then you get wheel of fortune at seven thirty. that's the same in philly yeah so here in seattle it's the opposite you got to shoot wheel of fortune first and then you got jeopardy coming in the second slot now that was a big deal for me because i had to make my i had a girlfriend at the time when i really watched jeopardy and i got off like early enough that it was like a thing i'd be home at seven um she would sit and watch jeopardy with me as i yell at the tv the answers oh yeah if i jeopardy if i sat and watched wheel of fortune with her and so that's the most amount of wheel of fortune i've ever watched if it was set up the way it is here i never would have her watching jeopardy she would watch her wheel of fortune and she'd be off the couch reading and be like yo i'm out like right you can yell at the tv by yourself the only reason i had her roped in to be sitting there is because i was going to stick through the next thing so Mm. so that time slot matters man yeah i was i I still find that crazy that like they've never had a different time slot since i've been born yeah seven and seven thirty yeah but it's been shifted depending on and i wonder why it shifted depending on the region yeah it's interesting so those are the heavy hitters i mean outside of that you of course got um some some other ones got hollywood squares which was a big deal for a while oh yeah i love the shit out Um, of that show you had regis I'm going insane <laughs> with, uh, uh, with who wants to be a millionaire. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Final answer is like, so we've got Jimmy from Alcapoco, Colorado, and he's gone up to $32,000. How do you feel about that? Well, yeah, I mean, I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, I don't know. Is I like now if you get this one wrong, it's basically like a freebie. We're going for $64,000. Get ready. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then it's like the easiest question ever. But but you still have to really think about it. It's like, mm-hmm. all right, well, I'm I'm thinking like I'm thinking ocean. Like first I see ocean, but C. Ooh, I also like C. Ooh, <laughs> and so then they like, then they have to decide if they want to use the like split them in half or the uh, ask the. Remember the audience? And remember when it was like something completely stupid and the audience would not help at all. Oh yeah, it would just be like all over the place, and they'd be like, I'm "Sorry." Yeah, see, <laughs> that's the thing. You, I, I watched that show a lot, and because the older I got, the more into like analyzing games and game design, because that's what I went to school for. Right. Um, I started to do that a lot more with game shows, and I'm like, after about the sixteen thousand dollar question, you should not be polling the audience <laughs> because the audience <laughs> is made up of regular people who. Right. <clears throat> As collectively don't know shit <laughs> so yeah yeah it's so it's pretty much the funniest moment in television though when they let you down for like a million dollars and like oh yes i love it though when they collectively are wrong yes um the audience is going 65 percent c you know what i like the look of you guys i'm going with the audience and then they're like the answer was d Durr. 
and he's just like taking an eye like i'm you i hate you i hate you i hate you your mm-hmm. whole family you it's <laughs> yeah. like you need to read more motherfucking books yeah right you need to stop reading that fucking tabloid you look at all the goddamn time and you need to stop letting your aunt myrtle tell you what is right and what is fucking wrong <laughs> that sounded real <laughs> Um, there's been, there's been some one-offs. Uh, there was, uh, are you smarter than a fifth grader? I watched that a little bit. That was interesting when you had a, a, a quote unquote classroom of fifth graders that competed against, uh, random contestants. You had who wants to win Ben Stein's money. I remember that. Yeah. Which was classic comedians. Cause it had a comedian and was on comedy central. So home of comedians. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, deal or no deal. Deal or No Deal is a bullshit show. Right. <laughs> it's just it's just pick a number, right? It's such a it's such a bullshit show, but it it basically just takes our need for anticipation and our like emotional connection with people and just fucks with it too much. Because you really know what you're gonna win after like the third round, because it's like pick a random number. Like, don't what matters what number you pick, right? And then they're gonna be like, pick some random assortment of numbers. If I was on that show, I'd be like one, two, three, four, five, six. They'd be like, you really? Yeah, right. Because I, because that's how you game the system. And then they're like, which ones do you want to do now? Uh, was it six, seven, eight, nine, ten? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, and well, and you, I don't know. To some degree, you might want to avoid like five and seven because people like they do use like people's intuition to pick seven and 21 and so they will typically not have big things in seven and 21 because people have like they're always like i'm going with my lucky number in 21 like there's very common things themes Mm. people have oh yeah see yeah. See the right designers of that show because what basically what you want is you, you either are playing a game where you think there's going to be more money in your case or there's not going to be enough money in your case. Right? Yeah. And on that show, I would say I would get to round three and basically see where I ended up in that whole draw. And then if I ended up in a draw where there's a lot less, like a lot more big numbers, less than small numbers, they're going to give you something that's comparable to like right in the middle. Cause they, the, the money that the banker gives you is effectively an average of everything that's left. And right. And if you look at that average and you go like, I take that money, you go deal. Right. But you know, people don't think like that. People, people are just like, uh, other classic one, the ten thousand dollar pyramid. Oh, the ten thousand dollar. Later, the twenty, twenty five thousand, fifty thousand, and one hundred thousand dollar pyramids. Uh, that was a classic where you had the uh, the secret word and you couldn't say it, and you had to try and figure it out. Um, and then there's you know uh, less than classic ones, or or kind of more like nostalgicy. Um, technically, Double Dare is a game show. Oh. Shit, yes. <clears throat> Double Dare is a game show. Uh, Wipeout is a game show. Oh my god, Wipeout's so <laughs> fucking hilarious. American Ninja Warrior is technically a game show. It is that yo, that's probably my favorite newest game show now. Yeah, and like and it, it, it built a well, how should I say it? Kind of nationalized the genre, or it made it like ubiquitous, or whatever. Of like parkour and like and like it's like obstacle courses, um, and because in Japan obstacle course game shows have been a thing there for years. Yeah, but here in the states, the earliest thing we had were to some degree American Gladiators. Right, and then on Nickelodeon there was Guts. 
Right. Or in Double Dare and a little thing. Yeah. Where they'd compete. Kids would, yeah. Yeah. No, but, but, oh, oh, and the Mayan one. Oh, Legends of the Hidden Temple. Yeah. But basically, this one specifically is about uh, testing your physical prowess. Yeah. And and then that was kind of gone for a little bit. And then American Ninja Warrior brought it back. And now the Spartan Races has their own show. And there's also that show that uh, Netflix did where oh, okay, it's like a dragon or something. It has Terry Crews as a host. Um, And then there's uh, what's the one that uh, Wayne Brady hosts? That was an old one. It was oh, let's make a deal. Let's make a deal. Classic one. Whole yeah. audience in costume. Come oh on. yeah. And then the quick off money where he just walks in the audience and is like, "Do you got a comb in your pocket? You get a hundred dollars." You oh, know, I people don't do that. Yeah, no, you got a comb in your pocket? No, but I got one in my hair. Boom, nailed it. He'd probably hand you a hundred and wink. Like he's just always <laughs> like he's just all about giving out that CBS <laughs> money, man. <laughs> right. Which I don't mind. Like that's cool. Uh, Fear Factor, technically a game show. Yes, Fear Factor was always it was wild because it, it would always. Have the same cadence it's like first we're just gonna make this shit really high and really convoluted next we're gonna make you eat some weird shit (laughs) and now we're gonna make shit high and convoluted but you gotta aim fear factor fear factor (laughs) explosion (laughs) yeah yeah and then but towards the end it was getting pretty wild like they were having like cars on top of buildings and stuff that were like tipping over (laughs) like they were getting crazy with that one fear is not a factor for you (laughs) It's too much. It's too much. Uh, Cash Cab. Yo, Cash Cab is going back too. Yo, it is. Yo, Trivia, also a comedian. Mm, Right. Uh, Geeks Who Drink is kind of like a game show. No, wait. Geeks Who Drink had a game show though. That's right. You should watch it. It's hilariously bad. That's fine. (laughs) There's an an entire network. There's the game show network where you can watch all these classic ones. Uh, There was the Shoppers one. Oh, supermarket sweep. Yeah, dude, that was my jam. It's like it's like <laughs> a condensed version of Price Is Right, because it's like you just have to go through all the aisles, you know, of like what is normally the commercials you see during Price Is Right. You know, on Food Network now they have a show. I forget the name of it, but it's uh, hosted by Guy Fieri, and it is basically like a cutthroat kitchen fused with supermarket sweep. Okay, because he was also the host of Minute to Win It. Yeah, <laughs> which was a game show. Oh my god, we got a bunch of game shows. Yeah, yeah. Minute to fucking win it. He was fucking most like <laughs> damn. Yeah, the game shows just tell us that we Americans are so fucking broke. We will do stupid shit on TV for money. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah we're enamored with TV, which was really funny because Europe isn't enamored with cinema. You know, so they make mm. these like these, you know, one off art pieces that become really popular and stuff and then like become cultural like legacies. But like we have prices right mm-hmm. where we're like, um, that couch, uh, twelve hundred dollars, Bob. Twelve hundred dollars. What I love about the prices, right, is always like the under the undercutting shade. Yeah. It's like, how much do you think that's gonna cost? I think it's gonna cost ten ninety nine, but you think it's gonna cost ten ninety eight? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, are we back? Hey, and uh, cool. And then, uh, hey, okay, one, two, three. But yeah, let's pause and find out what it was. I guess. 
Eh, I guess. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't think I moved with this when that happened. Three, two, one. Um, all right. Yeah, and then, yeah, you'd come on to the, eventually you'd have to, well, you'd eventually win. And if you nailed the price, if you actually got right on the price, mm-hmm. Bob Barker had 500 ca- cash in his pocket right there. Like, ready to hand you. So that bell would ring. Oh, my gosh, one of you with the actual listed price, and then you're so excited, and he has to, like, reach into his pocket and hand you, like, five bills. That's actual money, too. Like, they actually do give him. So that means every time he goes out there, even if he doesn't give out the money, he's got $1,000 in his pocket probably just chilling. Oh, yeah. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Cool guy to hang out with. I take some of those jackets home, you know, just accidentally. All right, he's all like, <laughs> I'm gonna Bob wear this. Barker. Hey, uh, I'm gonna wear this one out, guys. Uh, this one, this one f- feels snug. I'm gonna gotta go uh, get a little golf in. So talk to you guys later. <laughs> right, catch you later. Remember to spay and neuter your pets. Right, and we know that he golfs because he was in Happy Gilmore. Oh yeah, that's right. He beat his ass in Happy yeah. Gilmore. Also, and also a movie about a comedian, and it brought in the the game show guy. So full circle. I think that was a. Uh, a good discussion on on a fun topic, but indeed. Uh, but yeah, overall, I would say Jeopardy is by far my favorite uh, game show of all time. Um, it's just got a lot of prestige. Mm-hmm. It's been very simple, and then the reverse question idea just kind of adds a twist to the idea of asking a question. Oh yeah, it's like what is? Yeah, marbles. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But uh. Any uh, any anything to help the people grow their brain or uh, uh, move move forward into the the universe? Uh, I did I did kind of want to like put on my conservative hat for a little bit and make a case to conservatives of why like you guys should make energy coalitions and use solar energy to collectively make a business where you put money back into the grid so the grid pays you. Okay. Yeah. Just trying to get corporate or uh, con- like sponsorship by Republicans to to use solar energy for their own benefit in the yeah, end. Yeah, because you know a lot of times being liberal and uh, the fact that there's the March for Science tomorrow. Anytime we go, we need renewables. We have one thing. We say global warming is happening, and if you don't do it, your plants are going to die. And then if your plants die, your cows are going to die. And if your cows die, you won't have Burger Shack. So you need to save them now. Right? And it sounds right. like ominous and shit. And then there's right? like a black screen in the word Burger Shack. Right? Yeah. Burger Shack will die <laughs> if the he, the sun heats us up more than it does <laughs> and then you can go in but hey guess what guys you can save it by using the sun to your advantage guess what when it comes to coal when it comes to natural gas when it comes to oil guess what there's a lot of multinational companies out there that spend a lot of money digging it up on the ground but can anybody dig up the sun no so <laughs> yeah <laughs> <Right>? yeah <laughs> that's funny um but uh, I guess I guess looking like to get to get the conservatives to do something that would be positive overall for the for the people and for the environment would be a a win, and uh, yeah, that's not a bad idea. I mean, they also are the ones that are in charge of the larger tracts of land because the rural environments that are right. typically Republicans are where our open spaces are. Yeah. So. And uh, I can tell you right now that the amount of uh, kilowatt hours it, it would take based on today's current technology of um, 
uh what's it call it of solar because when it comes to like energy output overall like current like market ready solar panels are only at like 15 percent efficiency where like coal is at like 30 percent and but someone created one recently that is at 46 percent efficiency so when that gets out in the market you can just boom stick them kill them for everyone else but uh, and the other fact about solar too is that with a a solar a coal plant it needs to take up a certain amount of space and it and that's the only utility that it has. You guys who live in your cul-de-sacs and your large you know different structures that are being built and that have multiple homes and everything, you can use the tops of your houses, especially with a lot of the southern states being at that sun parallel that is in overabundance of light and having over two hundred plus days of. Uh, sunlight you guys can band together florida florida should definitely be behind solar exactly you guys band together and then like just like when you mentioned on the other podcast kind of mini call back about the batteries yeah there's um uh, what's it called on on the island of Kauai, uh elon musk is actually put in a huge solar array has like close to uh fifty five thousand solar panels and like 257 batteries but that whole solar array is being used to um add power to that whole island before when they used to have to ship in oil and because they're doing it at about like 13 cents a kilowatt hour that is lower than the amount of money they have to pay for oil like given the shipping costs and the ability to use it to give out power so that's cool yeah and and that is that is a shit ton of uh different panels so but i would say like they had enough space to do it right they had enough space that they weren't using to be able to do it and that right there just will constantly and the batteries will just say we're like said taking the energy and then we use it later and it is treated more like a power plant where it stores it there and then sends it out over AC and then you convert it to DC when you get it to home. And so I feel like a lot of different places, and especially in these communities that have um, a lot of sunlight and, and maybe even a lot of wind too, if that's a part of the thing, because they can work concurrently with each other where they can use enough people with their houses and come together and just build a battery farm that is fueled by everyone else basically coming together saying let's use the top of our roofs let's put yeah some solar panels on there pump the energy through this and then sell that as uh, energy for other people because when it comes to energy choice there's not a lot you're stuck with whatever is produced in your area yeah. and there's also um and there's still some obama era uh subsidies yeah if you do um some forms of uh green renewable construction on projects on your house that come off your like taxes at the end of the year or like value to your home type taxes for but, sure yeah and then there's also uh first mover advantage which is a business term and right now you guys have a lot of first mover advantage because you know there's a huge contingent of people who still use fossil fuels to get their um to get their electricity i think 50 percent of america still runs on fossil fuels yeah. and i think only two percent run on solar you might go like well that's only two percent that's first market advantage get in that shit get in that shit yeah like dig up in that ass that's right. like when uh when snowboarding first hit the mountain and i was like who are these guys and they're on like two or three of the mountains I'd go to that season, I'd see a snowboarder. Mm-hmm. And then by the time it hit the 90s hit, it was like they're half the mountain. 
you know, and mm-hmm. people saw that as like a novelty and then about 10 or 15 companies saw it as an opportunity, you know, and, and made a lot of money on its boom. And so this is kind of the opportunity cost of solar is right now it's, it's the two or three spiky haired weirdos on the hill mm-hmm. and you're like, who are those weirdos? And they're like, yo, we solar powered. And they're like, right? and you're yeah. like, that ain't going to catch on. And you just wait. And all of a sudden, uh, Elon Musk and his friends are going to be talking about all the money they made in Elon Musk is shutting the game down. <clears throat> he's, uh, he's a good guy. Another uh, story is there's um, in South Australia, they've been having blackouts because their national natural gas uh, power plants have been failing due to weather and stuff. And Elon Musk said a while back where he was like, you know what? We did this thing in Kauai. We didn't do the same thing for you guys. And the, they installed that thing in Kauai in three months. Yeah. And uh, and now it's powering everything. So they're like, we'll come in there. We'll build out this whole thing in 100 days or less. Or the whole thing is free. They dominoes in fucking solar panels. What the hell, Tesla? Wow. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> right? That's, yeah. Like, and he's confident about it. So it, it's, it's very interesting to see. And then with Tesla bringing out the shingles, or that, or basically, um, you replace your roof with these types of shingles. They still give the waterproof, and they have a mm-hmm. a lifespan that's l- comparable to the current roofs. Yeah, but it'll provide power at the same time. Exactly. You do that. You know, you take your little bit that you need for your own personal battery, and then you give the rest out to the battery grid, and then you sell that shit. Yeah. Right. You create an LLC with everybody in your area that you want to be a part of this coalition. You give out dividends based on the initial investment and ask if people want to put the money they would get back as a dividend back in for reinvestment and stuff like that. Right. And, you know, make it a really awesome family, like family owned or multiple family owned profit sharing adventure while also giving energy choice to your neighbors in the world at large. Which is a callback going back to when I was talking about small neighborhoods. And yeah. It's a good place to start. Exactly. And, you know, add on to your porch. Open up to the front of your house. Right. To take down some of these fences, guys. Mm-hmm. You know, unless you've got a dog that you can't let out, like, why have a fence? To yeah. some degree, why? You know. Um, in Canada, there's not a lot of fences in houses yeah. there. The culture is a little different. In neighborhoods that I grew up, there weren't, and the culture evolved to kind of get it towards the late 90s. People started definitely putting up fences. And it's an interesting statement, you know. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's the prerogative, their choice, you know, I get yeah, it. for sure. It does create a, a sense of privacy, but it does definitely hinder a sense of community. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these problems that we keep facing is that we ignore the idea of community. That's true. We, we pretend that we live in our little bubble and that our bubble is our bubble and everyone can just stay out of our bubble and we'll be fine. But your bubble is in a community of other bubbles. Oh, so yeah. you got to be... You get, you just got to be aware, and you and and in order to do that, progress will be made through just connection, meeting the people, starting to find the commonalities, you know, whatever it is, you know, and a lot of times it's through sports in these places because these are some of the only things that we have iconship that we identify with. Mm-hmm. So you might see someone of another race that you're like always had like an issue with or you weren't able to like voice your opinion or whatever about like your uncomfortability because that's kind of what we're dealing with is there's people that are uncomfortable around people that are different yeah and then somewhere around the lines they both show up in a seahawk jersey 
get in the mail and you know maybe they can use them be like cox you know and they high five across Mm -hmm. the street kind of move and then the next time you see them just in their like work gear you still like wave and say hi because in your mind you're like well if they're smart enough to get the seahawks idea they're probably an okay person you can kind of work through that you see that in some of these communities that it's through these sports and these other iconship things that that people can start to relate and kind of see the over the fences in a way oh for sure commonality and similar interests is is when you deal with humans as humans is like that's that's basically what i feel like it boils down to and i really hate it when i get flack for always saying i want humans to treat each other as humans and and i get it's too vague or what's the what's what's the argument no no the argument really is that to say like any anytime someone says we're focusing on these issues that um different marginalized groups are having and it definitely it, it definitely feels like instead of just going to yeah let's treat humans as humans let's try to figure out what humans need as a whole can we provide that for all of humanity if we can how and then after that when it comes to like structural and social differences let's actually have like good conversations about what we believe like what is truth or what is fiction what is actually going to affect people like that like like i think i guess my i'm talking i'm talking about it in a um a bottom-up sort of way and uh, i guess the world really likes its top-down worldviews yeah and and it feels like top-down is where people are going from there so it's all like yeah we did this floor fauna kingdom blah 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 and we're to humanity and but then they're starting from like no i'm american or i'm black and i'm just like i get it i just wish i guess i just well i guess i just wish we were more bottom up instead of top down yeah is basically what it boils down yeah we got to build a better foundation you know i mean that's always a cliche statement too Mm -hmm. but but the reality is that you know that's how we think of structures is that they have these strong foundations they last if you don't Mm -hmm. have a shady foundation your building falls down exactly and so working from the bottom up in my mind is always about making sure the structures that are at the bottom and helping those people and us you know that it is worked its way up you know in a strong way and so that there is some connection and that way, when you get to the top, when you get to the Trumps of the world, because mm-hmm. it's okay that there are Trumps of the world, we have to be okay with that at this point because it's, there's a str- there's a structure of them. You know, they're all over the world, you know. Like, okay, how? Like, ideologically or? Being wealthy over, like, Elon Musk is in, in that stratosphere, you know, and so we have oh, to. Oh, so you mean like an oligarchy then? The, the, yeah, we have to accept some forms of this oligarchy to an extent because they exist. Yeah. We can't just you can't fight all millionaires is what I'm saying. You, you can't, but that's that. You, so I eventually, think, if you get this connection, so that the people that are in between are on the same message to those people at the top, you won't see these drastic differences of the disparity kind of rule. You'll have people at the top still. You'll have Warren Buffetts. You'll have figures that have acquired money or wealth. That's the challenge of capitalism as a whole, though. Yeah. You would have to... You can challenge all of them as a, a critique of capitalism. Because what is it? Wealth redistribution is a big, like, hot-button issue between the, the two parties. Yeah, and that's an issue of capitalism. Yeah. Like, unchecked capitalism basically says, no, I make all the money. And, and that's what, what I mentioned earlier about everybody thinks that America is, like, an egalitarian sort of meritocracy yeah it's and not. It, it's not at all it, it is for people who are born in a certain sector usually like middle class and upper middle class and they kind of have their pedigree to go off of and they get 
and then certain uh privileges that come with that and that's usually with like the class and sort of privileges and to some degree economic privilege and and the reason why i talk a lot about post-capitalism is because of the way capitalism cannibalizes itself with its needs to constantly get profits but it always gets profits on the backs of people and when there's not enough people to get profits on the back of what do you do and so and when it comes to like the things that people who are poor or working class or even middle class is starting to happen is where they don't have that same foundation that same pedigree that same economic support that same social support in order to build up through the ranks so they don't even get a chance to have their ability to be in the meritocracy where they are given off their merit and even when like a few people are able to go through really rigorous amounts of work and try twice as hard to get to the same place and then they get into that same structure they also aren't treated with the same degree of fairness within the meritocracy as well too mm, so okay. there, there, there's a, like there's the underlying challenge of having the foundation that allows them to be within the workforce and then be able to be judged based on their merits but even when they get into the workforce their merits are judged on a a skewed sort of curve based on who they are and where they're from yeah yeah i mean yeah and we've seen what a violent wealth redistribution looks like in the french revolution so Mm -hmm. we know what happens in that so i i would hope that we figure out a different way (laughs) to get then to line people up to the guillotine in order to have them give their wealth my my idea is i feel like uh, so i would say like politically leaning wise that i'm a socialist because i believe in the social programs that basically handle basic human needs and i'm basically my new political stance is ending the commoditization of basic human needs and it's fine for people to be able to like sell houses and sell housings and things like that but when you tell people in order to just live you have to pay an exorbitant amount of money that's a little that's a bullshit when you know we can build you know not cheap structures but frugal structures that can be really high and house a lot of people and for a very inexpensive price the only reason why that's not happening is because housing is a commodity and when things are a commodity then that allows for capitalism to just go in there and do its thing and just care about profits and profits on profits on profits yeah and i think that's the main issue with our housing market especially here in seattle and i think that's a big issue with our um uh, medical market uh, or in medicine in general and i know the counter for that is innovation if you didn't have capitalism you wouldn't have innovation right but i'm saying basic human needs like water electricity uh sewer and garbage and then add on top of that medical and housing yeah and you could uh, and i think uh, another one to tack on to that uh would be a universal basic income but only a universal basic income if you feel like capitalism is the best way to control like the exchange of goods and services right and because i do like capitalism for the exchange of goods and services and the, the pillar on top of that is that you still have the free market and the free market will be the free market it's just the free market it will be building things for wants not needs and and i don't like you should be able to commoditize once all you want but once people have their food their water their housing their medical and all that you know paid for and copacetic that allows them to 
you know, learn better. It allows them to have that peace of mind of, oh, yeah, uh, the other one would be school. And, yeah, education. Yeah, and education. Like, once you have all those things down, and everybody be like, poor people would be a freebie, but that that's more of a concern about you need, in order to show worth, that you need a job to show that. And I think that's basically needing to challenge the criticism of how we structure what is valuable about our labor output as human beings in general. But that's always in relation to what the society needs. And a lot of times now, like I mentioned before, why I keep making mentions about us being IP is because that's usually that's what I think is going to make us bigger around the world. But also uh, what is just will eventually is what human beings will need in the end because all the back-breaking work will be done by automation, both physical and artificial. Uh, and that, that, yeah, it will eventually. And that, yeah, just in order to save our own selves and bodies to keep doing more with our mind, and mm-hmm. what, you know, and our the expansive abilities that we have outside of just manual labor. Yeah. Um, sir, we have done it. We have gotten through the hour of entertainment for the masses. Um, I have uh, a song for us. Um, otherwise, um, I guess we can end with the outro stuff. Usually, um, I didn't say uh, grow your brain, but I'm gonna give another shout out to a YouTube channel. It is called Sean and Jen, and they do really detailed and very well thought out critiques of a lot of people who are on the alt right of things. Because uh, the alt writers like to use a lot of logical fallacies and a lot of incredulity um, in their presentations and critiques of like worldviews and things of that matter, and that just kind of gives a false view of what they're actually doing. And there are more and more people who are starting to believe that line of thought. So anybody being really critical of that line of thought and really getting down to the brass tacks and the scrutiny of what is right and what is wrong with what they're saying, I think is good. So if you're anyone within that spectrum or know anybody within that spectrum, take a look at some of their videos, post them on your social media, and hopefully people that you can influence will be influenced by them if they can sit down and sit through what they actually say. And people can learn from each other. Yeah. And as always, they can find you at CRSII. CRSII. Um, yeah. And uh, as always, I guess I'll do a shout out to King World, Makers of the Jeopardy, and The Wheel of Fortune. My favorite uh, game shows this oh, week. Shit. Grow your brain by watching some Trebekness on the Jeopardy. Eh. Wheel of Fortune has some, you know, at least you get your letters, right? You get your letters. <laughs> Learn your letters. Um, otherwise, catch me at a dive bar or a Thai food restaurant near you if you live in the Seattle area. Uh, and follow on the Twitters at Seatown Mayor. It's the musings um, of me. And uh, this was a good time, man. Good seeing you, Chaz. Yeah, good seeing you, Miguel. And we'll uh, we'll see you next week. Peace.